Bibles, if you would go to John chapter 14. Amen. Good to see Simon Tag's back. Amen. Wisconsin must be getting cold. It came down quick. Amen. Oh, what a God we serve. Amen. What a God we serve. You know, you know, on Wednesday nights, as we've been teaching, we, we got to a few promises of the Word of God, and we talked about you have to know what you have, and then you have to be able to use what you got. Amen? And we like to use the illustration. The, the old boy is out there trying to cut down that tree, and he's just going at it. But he's got an old hatchet, and it's about as dull as someone's head, and, and some bald head. I mean, he's just working, working. And the whole time, he's got a beautiful black and decker, big old chainsaw right in his own garage. And you're saying, why? I mean, he's getting the job done, but he's killing himself. And you're saying, why are you so exhausting and frustrating? And just when the whole time, don't you know what you have? Well, yeah. Well, then go get what you got. It'll make life a whole lot easier. You know, you can get the job done, but you can work harder. You can work smarter. And when it's a little sharper, it's less effort and less frustration and fatigue. And, and the Spirit of the Lord talked about the storehouse, the storehouse and and this morning, as we begin to develop this message, it's one of these wonderful privileges you and I have as believers that, number one, we've got to know that we have it, and then we've got to go and use what we got. In the storehouse, there's something called the peace of God. And it's different than peace with God. We'll touch on that. It's even different than the natural peace that we have as the fruit of the Spirit. Just that daily abiding within that keeps the Christian more level-headed, less uptight than the world. We're not afraid by everything. We're not always going up and down because we've got the Spirit of the Lord within us. And the fruit of the Spirit is peace. But yet there is a special measure, a special gift of Jesus said, My peace I give unto you. That when we go through the trying times of life, number one, we've got to know we got it. But number two, we've got to go get what we've got and put it to work. And so we can go into the treasure house this morning. I want us to be reminded. Maybe you don't need it right now, but I assure you, if you live in the world I live in, you will go through times when you need something special than the average piece. You will need this gift, this treasure, this benefit of the Lord Jesus. Let us read John, the 14th chapter, beginning with verse 25. John, the 14th chapter. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. You heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you'd be glad that I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me. But the world must learn that I love the Father, and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. We'll use as a title, The Peace of God, His Gift, and Our Privilege. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. Give us minds to understand your truth that we might receive it and we might apply it and walk it out. In Jesus' name and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Again, in a time and in a season of great unrest, we, we preached the first few verses of this chapter last week. So we have a little bit of background even before we get started. 
It was a time and a season of great unrest, political unrest, spiritual unrest. And it was a time of bad news because Jesus had just told the disciples he's leaving them. One of them is betraying him and Peter is going to deny him. So it was a time of um, unsettled heart, emotional, physical upheaval and danger. And Jesus tells his disciples that there is a peace which is available to them at all times capable of strengthening and steadying their hearts in any storm or any crisis of life. The peace of God, Jesus' gift to us that love Him and walk with Him, our privilege as sons and daughters of the living God. Verse 27, similar to verse 1 that we looked at last week, let not your hearts be troubled. These words were spoken at a night that Jesus knew the disciples' faith would be shaken like never before. In just a matter of hours, there would be the betrayal and the arrest and the abuse and the trial, the crucifixion. He had told them about heaven previously. He told them that He was going away to prepare a place for them and that He was returning to take them with Him. Now, John 14, we see as Jesus develops this, this, this lesson, He encourages them and explains to them that they have the power of prayer to battle with. He said, if you ask anything in my name, he said that in chapter 14. And then he goes on and he says, and you also have the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you, to teach you and to remind you and to help you as you fight this good fight of faith. But then finally, he looks and he expresses the privilege of his very own peace to keep his people strong and steady stable within, on the inside, as we walk through this journey waiting for Him to return, waiting for Him to take us home. You know, the Bible speaks primarily of two kinds of peace, two basic kinds of peace. There's peace with God, and then there's the peace of God. Now, now the peace with God, that's Romans 5 and, and, and verse 1. Let's, let's look at that together. Romans 5 and verse 1. And Paul writes, Therefore, having been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's if you put faith in Christ, if Jesus is your Savior, that the enmity, the hostility between a holy God and a sinful man is abolished, that the bridge, it's been been rebuilt, and we are again saved. Now, this happens when a person comes to Jesus. The hostility is destroyed. The conflict between God and man is ended. And we have peace with God. Because we've accepted Christ's sacrifice as our sacrifice. Because we put our faith in what Jesus has done on Calvary. I can't achieve my own peace with God. I can't somehow earn my own peace with God. I receive the peace that Jesus provides by believing in Him and giving Him my life. And when that happens, I go from a a sinner that's in rebellion and enmity to a son that is rich in blessings, rich in mercy, rich in grace. But now, we want to note that there is a big difference between peace with God and the peace of God. Our text is talking about the peace of God. Jesus is saying it's possible in the midst of trying circumstances, of times when the pressure is heavy, to have an inward peace, an inward contentment, Uh, uh, we call it a quiet confidence fostered by the Spirit of God that keeps us in the midst of the storm, that steadies us when everything around us 
is trying to crush us or discourage us or bring us to our knees. There is a peace that comes from the Lord Jesus that in the most unsettling of times it will keep us firm and strong to the very end. And it's this kind of peace that Jesus is discussing here. It might not be needed every day, but it's good to know it's in the storehouse. It's good to know that when life comes and hits me like a tornado that I never saw coming, that I don't have to be crushed by the weight of it, for greater is He that's within me than he that's in the world. And Jesus has revealed, I have a peace for you if you'll understand it. I have a peace for you if you'll believe it and you'll wrap your arms of faith around it. It might not change overnight everything out there, but it'll give you an inner strength and an inner witness and inner calming that'll keep you singing, keep you trusting, keep you walking, keep you believing when others are collapsing and others are straying. Can you say amen? The Apostle Paul spoke about this peace in the book of Philippians, and, and he describes it as a peace that, that transcends or surpasses all understanding. What is he talking about? Well, it's beyond the natural. This is a supernatural gift that the believer can enjoy. That his Savior offers him. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Let's look at that together. Philippians 4. Here Paul says, be anxious for nothing. Um, c- confess your need. Cast your care. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Call on the Lord. Cry out to the God of your salvation. Come boldly. Before the throne of His grace. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, give Him praise in the midst of it all. Give Him praise to the tears. Give Him praise to the confusion. Give Him praise when you can't understand Him, you can still praise Him. Let your request be made known unto God. And when we do that, He says, and then the peace of God, of God which surpasses understanding. It's not a natural thing. It's not just a mental thing. It's a supernatural thing from the Spirit of the living God. And it will guard us and keep our hearts and our minds in Jesus Christ. Oh, what a blessing we have. And I'll tell you, in the world that we live in, it makes sense to know that this belongs to us and to know that when we need it, it's there for us to wrap our arms around it and receive the blessing thereof. Can you say amen? His gift and our privilege, the peace of God, are outlined this morning very simply the context, the context of Christ's peace, then the contrast of Christ's peace, the condition of Christ's peace, and then the confrontation of Christ's peace. Number one, the, the context, the context. It's important to know and remember the context of what we're reading. It'll help us to apply it and understand um, the implications of what Christ is saying. Um, Jesus offers his peace, he's my peace, his peace, to the disciples during an unbelievably difficult time in their life. This tells me, number one, that this gift is for me. This gift is for you. If you're a child of God, he's speaking to those that he's going away preparing a house for. We studied that last week. He's going to those that are, have the Spirit within them, the Holy Spirit. He's talking to those that love him and that serve him. And so this is telling me, number one, this gift is for me. This gift is for you. Blessed be His name. It secondly tells me, this peace is sufficient to the task. 
He gives them this gift of His peace in the most trying time their lives had ever faced. Their world is getting ready to crash around them. Jesus, who had they had all their hopes in, Jesus that they believed was bringing forth His kingdom, just said, I'm going away and you can't come with me. And soon before the, cro- the cock is going to crow three times, their world will be like it never dreamed as Jesus is arrested and Jesus is dragged away. But the Lord says, I've got a peace. And it's something that can keep you even in those times. And we look at this and we understand that the text is trying to tell us. You see, Jesus could have said a lot of things to help him in this hour. He could have given them a sign and a wonder. Remember this wonder. It'll help you through the night. He could have given them a fresh revelation. He is the Word. He could have... He could have given them another promise about His return. But instead, in that darkest moment... He says, my peace give I unto thee. It's not like anything the world can muster up or create with its own efforts. It's divine, it's wonderful, and it's capable of bringing you through the hardest times you face. And it belongs to you. It's your right, it's your privilege, it's your benefit as a child of God. Blessed be His name. You see, Jesus was enjoying the peace of God. Yes, he was praying through. Yes, he was groaning, but he knew the challenge before him. But yet within him, he had the peace of God that enabled him to keep walking when others would have fallen out. To keep obeying when it would have been easy to just disobey or kind of um, fudge on the will of the Father. But the peace of God is that thing that steadies us within that we can continue without. That we don't have to compromise or we don't have to give in to the fear or we don't have to stop and flee like others that don't have this peace through Jesus. He's enjoying the peace of God, but He knew that these men, these disciples, would be sorely tested and they would be tried and they would need God's peace as well. Again, Jesus understands The Bible describes our Lord as a sympathetic high priest. He's not distant. He's not foreign to the human dilemma. He is not um, hmm, unlearned about our emotions and our burdens and our battles. He's been touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And Jesus Christ understands the strain of trying to walk and live for God in a fallen and opposing world. And he knows the toil and the toll that is placed upon our our, our minds and our psyches and our emotions as we do our very best to live in a fallen world, but to live it for the Lord and to please the Lord even when things are not easy. Again, Jesus had this peace and it helped Him to endure the pressure as He went to Calvary. It helped Him to set His face like a flint and give Himself fully to do the Father's will to obey and remain true. And this peace will help you and I to remain true to our witness, to remain true to our calling, to remain true true to the confession of our faith when the world around us would like to steal that song and corrupt that confession and cause us to go back. But oh, let our cry forever be the world behind me, the cross before me. There's no turning back. We have the peace of God. We have the peace of God. And this, it's easy to have peace when all is well. 
But in the context, see the context. I want us to know the context so that you can say it's for me. Jesus wasn't talking from the ivory tower when everything was just right and, you know, the, the fish fry came out just perfect and um, um, what, what are those dumplings that you make there? What, are the things, what do you have with the fish fry? Hush puppies. The hush puppies are just right. No, no, no. I mean, even grumpy people are happy when you feed them. Come on, say amen. But, but Jesus trying to say, I've got a peace and you might not need it every day of your life, but certain times I want you to know what you got so you can use what you have. Some of the greatest times of testimony and witness is when life is the hardest and the child of God stands tallest because of the greater one on the inside. I'm talking about the context, the context, the context of difficulty. That is um, what God wants us to experience. That's when God wants us to experience His peace and manifest it to the world. Jesus offered peace. To his disciples at the exact time they needed it the most. A time when their own sense of calm and confidence would likely be shaken or crushed. A time not marked by outward peace. As the one person said, they had troubles within, troubles without. But Jesus, in such times as that, offers us his gift. Peace in the most trying times. That we can keep believing and we can keep trusting and we can keep hoping and we can keep obeying. Understanding the context of when Jesus is speaking this helps us understand that the peace he has is for us in such times. It's for you and it's sufficient for the job. It's a gift that's intended for the trying times of life and it's a gift sufficient for anything life will ever throw against you it'll do the job it's reliable it's not what i hear it's not dollar store quality this can do the job this can do the job i read a story earlier this week and it was about two painters that were in a contest to draw a picture a painting of peace you know who could draw the most peaceful picture and one painter painted a beautiful sunset sun was going down over the calm water, and it, it looked nice. I mean, the picture had a very calming effect, and that is one kind of peace. It, it was peaceful and calm, and you could just hear the quiet. The kids must have been absent, and um, um, you, in, it must have been a cool day. The humidity wasn't 500%, and it was a nice, and, and we need that. We need, that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. That is a type of peace. But then the other painter painted a picture, and the sky was dark. And there was lightning, and you could hear the thunder and the dark clouds overhead. And the picture showed the waves crashing against the rocks, and things looked fairly chaotic. And, but in the bottom of the corner of the painting were two boulders, small boulders of such. And in there was a little bird snuggled in his nest, singing with all of his heart. Now that's another kind of peace. That's the peace Jesus is talking about. A peace where God's calm and God's inner grace overrules what's outside, trying to disrupt us and trying to antagonize us and trying to prod us. Oh, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Number one, the context of the peace. Number two, I want you to notice the contrast. The contrast. 
of the peace of God. There's a difference between the peace Jesus gives and that that the world gives. There's a difference in the sources. There's a difference in the conditions. There's a difference certainly in in, in the duration. In the duration. And, And you see verse 27, Jesus said, Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled. And don't be afraid. Verse 27, Jesus is saying that the peace he gives is not like the peace of the world. The peace that the world offers is often the the peace of escape. It's it's a peace um, that comes from the absence of conflict, the avoidance of trouble, the refusal to face things. It's temporal. It's typically marked by denial. It's it's um, the sources are human resources and the human ability to keep it. Conditions, there's the absence. But the world's peace at best. It's temporal. It's not lasting. One comic said it like this. Peace is the brief, glorious moment in history when everyone stands around reloading. <laughs> Another writer said, Washington. Yeah, you'll get it tomorrow. Another one said, Washington. That's the world's peace. That's the world. Yeah, peace for our hour and there was war. There's another peace and there's war. And even when they say there's peace, there's just a cold war. There's not peace. There's only peace because the other one can't overcome. There's not a peace that Jesus talks about. And the lion lay down with the lamb. There's not a peace. There's not a peace. One writer said, in Washington, they have large assortment of peace monuments. We build one after every war. We build one after every war. And that's the world's peace. That's the world's peace. If the conditions are right, I can do okay. If I can control everything, how many know you can't control everything? You got a billion dollars. You can't control everything. You can buy everyone off and your heart can go tomorrow. You can't control everything. But the world's peace is if I can control everything, or at least think I control everything, or I can deny the things I don't want to think about, everything is just right, I can have peace. The source is their ability to control it. Our source comes from our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. In Him we have our peace. In Him we have our comfort. In Him we have our confidence that He's in control and we're in His care. And in that we find rest leaning on the everlasting arms. The the conditions, they have to have everything just right so they can have peace or just deny it all. But the conditions is that we're right with God. And that we walk by faith in the promises of God, enjoying the inner peace and grace of the Spirit of God. And the duration, well, obviously the world's peace is very temporary. Here today, gone tomorrow. But ours is forever and forever. And the best is yet to come. Can you say amen? Amen. You see, the peace that Jesus offers is really a peace of conquest. It's a peace that there is no experience of life that can ever take it from us. There's no sorrow, no danger, no suffering that can diminish its work. It's independent of outward circumstances. It's not controlled by those things. It's it's, it's good and it's it's faithful and it's, it's for all believers in all circumstances at all times. And just like Romans brings out the beautiful thought that nothing can separate us from God's love, well, in the same way, nothing can defeat the wonderful, powerful peace of God that abides within our hearts. 
The world needs absence of conflict. But the Christians can enjoy peace in spite of conflict, trials, and temptations. Because the peace of God and the power of God and the truth of God by His Spirit abides within us. We have uh, the peace and we put it like this. The abiding, sustaining power of God's Spirit's within. And the knowing that God is in control of our lives both now and forevermore. That the world at times can seem like it's falling apart. But even then, we know that God is holding all things together including us. And in that we find hope and in that we find peace. The Christian has the abiding and the sustaining, and the reminding of the Spirit. Jesus said the Holy Spirit, He's going to teach you, and He's going to remind you. You see, when you see out there, and you tend to forget the truth that you have in the back store, when you feel that thing in the natural, you tend to forget the blessing of the treasure house that you have through Calvary, and through the Spirit, and the Word of God. But the Bible says here that not only does the Spirit abide within, and sustain us, keeping us strong within, but the Holy Spirit reminds us of what? Of God's care, and of God's control, and of God's promise to complete the good work that He began. So whatever I see, the Holy Spirit's reminding me. That doesn't have the last word. That is not the end of the story. You're going to make it through. You shall make it through. Remember His word. He that began a good work, He shall complete it. And He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Can you say amen? And it's that peace of the Spirit and the reminding of the Spirit that enables you and I not to live in a denial, but to look through and beyond that which we face to a better day and a more glorious day and a permanent time. This peace produces within the believer an attitude of triumph, an attitude of hope, In God that keeps us marching here and singing here, not shaken, bowed down by that which we face and endure. It helps us as we look forward to that day and walk confidently in the present hour. The peace of God gives us an attitude of confidence and victory because we know conditions cannot defeat this peace. Sorrow and suffering common to man cannot take it away. We have the peace of Jesus. We used to sing, I've got something that the world can't give. And the world can't take it away. I'm talking about the peace of God. It's the anchor that holds when others walk out. It's the anchor that holds when things around you seem to be inconsistent and unfaithful and fallen. It's that thing which remains and keeps us like the anchor of God. Jesus said in John 16 and Verse 33, words that inspire us in the peace of God, giving us the courage to march on in this walk of faith. Jesus, now this is at the end of this whole, all these chapters tied together. And Jesus, I've told you these things. I've been telling you, I'm going to prepare a place. I've been telling you that even though you fall away, I'll gather you and the Spirit will help you and the um, the privilege of prayer is for you. I've told you all these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you're going to have, in this world, you're going to have bad reports. In this world, we're going to weep over the graves of loved ones. In this world, we're going to find resistance. We're going to stumble a time or two and have to get back up and dust ourselves. In this world, there's trials, there's pressures, but Jesus said, take heart, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I've triumphed and so shall you. 
And my peace is that thing that abides within and gives you the grace to keep on going, to keep on trusting. When you fall down, you get back up, you dust yourself off, and you keep marching in that march of faith. Peace in God gives us the attitude of one that is triumphant and one that is confident and one that has an assurance that this world is not our home. We're just a passing through. And until that day, He's with me, He's for me, and everything's going to be all right. Can you say amen? The context, the contrast, the conditions. Look at verse 28, the condition of this peace. A condition. I'm glad Jesus met his condition. Amen. I got to meet mine. He met his condition. Jesus said, you heard me say that I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. If you love me, you'd be happy. You'd be glad that I'm going to the Father for the Father's greater than I. What's that next? I have told you now before it happens so that when it happens, you will believe. This is the condition. In order for Jesus to give us what he promised, it was necessary for him to go back to heaven. Jesus was reminding them that before this peace could fill their hearts, he had to ascend back to the right hand of the Father. Then the Spirit could be poured out like never before. Now the Holy Spirit is resident in the life of every Christian. Therefore, every Christian can experience the peace that he talks about. A calm contentment. A quiet confidence. In spite of a real world and real heartaches and real difficulties. Jesus returned to the Father. Seated. Father pours out the Spirit. Dwells within us that have been born again. Let us that are Christians... Believe what is ours. Accept it by faith. And thank God for its reality. Jesus said, my peace, my peace, give I unto you. It's my gift to you. You don't have to work it up. You don't have to earn it. It's my gift. It comes with the package of being my child and enjoying my salvation. And he did his part. Went to that cross, defeated death, hell, and the grave, rose again, ascended to the right hand, pouring out of the Spirit the conditions of Christ's peace. Jesus did his part, but there's things in me that have to recognize what I have in the storehouse and how to go ahead and and claim it and use it and receive it when I need it. Things are going well on the job. Finances are good. I don't have to be jumping up and down. Jehovah Jireh. The Lord's my, I don't have to claim it. I just thank the Lord for it. But when I have a certain need, I need to know what I have. So I need to make, get what I got so I can use it. We, we, we said out earlier how, how through prayer and supplication that this, this beautiful peace is released and activated in our hearts. Amen? As, as I... Give my needs to God and cast my cares on God. Philippians 4, we looked at that. Cast my cares and confess my need and call on Him and praise Him and His peace comes and guards me. That's one way. Another way is hiding the Word in my heart. You know, the more you read the Word of peace, you fill your heart and mind 
with the peace of God. You strengthen and stir that peace. I love Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they that love your Lord. I love that. Great peace have they that... But if you love it, you read it. Amen? If you love it, you hide it in your heart. If you love it, you meditate on it. And you got promises that you talk to yourself about and you sing to yourself about. And when something negative happens, the first thing you think of is not the crazy what the world is yelling, what the world, some slogan of the world. You go, the word, the word, the word, that precious promise. Great peace have they that love your law and nothing can make them stumble. Why? Because the word within them is giving them a peace and a stability. A steadiness. Hallelujah. We pray and we love the Word and we trust our trust. Our trust often releases His blessing. He's pleased when we trust Him. He's pleased when we trust Him. The heart of God is made glad when we stand on that Word. When we trust Him to do what He said He would do. When I, when I trust in the Lord with all my heart and I lean not on all these other things, but in all my ways, when I acknowledge Him, I'll direct your paths. I'll, I'll honor that faith. I'll be moved by the sincerity, Son, of your love and confidence in me. And I'll come to your aid. I love Romans 15 and verse 13. Romans 15 and verse 13. Again, this, the conditions, Jesus met the conditions. So you and I have this wonderful privilege. When I need it, how do I activate it? Amen? How, how do I go from being able to navigate and walk through these, these unique times in life, but challenging times in life? How do I go? I don't want to have a Maalox moment. I don't want to backslide like someone that doesn't know the Lord. I don't want to start giving in to the grumbling and complainings like those that never met the Lord. But how does the believer properly navigate through the pressures and the landmine seasons of life? By claiming the beautiful promise of Jesus' very own peace that keeps us in such times and enables us to live differently from those that don't know God. And one way I do it is by praying about it. Don't be anxious and don't give in to that thing that wants to torment me and frustrate me and make me ugly. But I'm going to pray and give it to God. His peace is going to come. And I'm going to stand on the Word. And I'm going to go to God's Word because God cannot lie. And there's power in the Word of God to really soothe me and comfort me in those times. Amen? That's why sometimes you just love when you're going through a bad time. You go through, especially the Psalms and certain books that have so many promises. And you'll see the things you've underlined. And you'll see the things that God had did in your life in times past. And what do they do? They encourage you again. Amen? They remind you of His faithfulness. They remind you of His goodness. And here, Paul writes in Romans how trusting Him. Simply just trusting Him. Saying, Lord, the report is bad. We're believing for this. But in the meantime... Give me your peace to walk through this properly. Give me your peace to stay steady in my faith while you're working all things for the good. Paul says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust Him. It's trusting Him that's releasing a measure of peace and joy. Remember, Paul wrote, this is beyond understanding. It's not something that the human mind can always get a hold of. You know, before you got saved or when you were just playing church, you'd look at someone that really walked with God and sometimes you'd say, they're crazy. Look at them. I know what they're going through. Why are they always happy? They're always singing the song. Look at them. The husband treats them like a dog and, and they, got, they barely got two nickels, but they come singing. They look like they own the world. And, and, but then you got it. And you found out what their secret was. May the God of hope fill you. Mm. 
you can be filled with anger. You can be filled with fear. You can be filled with frustration. To be filled with means to be controlled with. He's filled with rage. He's controlled by rage. And so the God of hope will fill you with joy, with peace. What triggers it? What releases it? As you trust in Him. So that you may overflow, wow, with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's the Holy Spirit again. You see, you don't have to be a theologian for this. Lord, I'm trusting you in this. I don't know if that person's ever going to change. I don't know if the tests that are going to come back are going to be any better. But Lord, I'm going to trust you. You brought me through other things that were worse than this. I'm just going to trust you. You brought me through things that, that would have crushed other people that didn't know you. And I'm surprised I got through it, but I know it was you. Lord, I'm going to trust you. And you do that and you stand on the word. God says, I'll give you something on the inside. Maybe a quiet inner confidence in a rest and a peace that's just going to help you get up tomorrow and face it and walk properly as God works in our lives. My part as a Christian to remember what I have. I have the power of God's Spirit within. I have the truth of God's Word to talk to me and encourage me and to guide me and to remind me of the salvation and the favor I have with God. I have the promise of God's Son guaranteeing that He's coming back for me. He's preparing a place for me. That He'll never leave me and He'll never forsake me. And, and I think upon the fact that He has risen and that He is reigning and that He by His Spirit is abiding. And I walk in this peace. Enjoy this peace. The conditions of Christ's peace. And lastly, the confrontation of Christ's peace. The context was simple. Jesus offers this great gift in a very hard time in the disciples' life. And that teaches us that, number one, it's for disciples. If you're a disciple, it's for you. But secondly, it was meant for the trying times of life. So this is something you grab hold of when you're really going through it. Say, Lord, you promised me a peace. Because what I'm going through is not easy. And part of me just wants to scream and run away. Um, but, Lord, I want, would you give me that peace you promised? And God will. But then the contrast. You can get very frustrated if you're looking to the world in the arm of flesh for that which only God can give. And sometimes we get very disappointed when we lean on the things of this world. Many people become addicted because they leaned on a substance for their peace instead of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And again, in some of these things, I thought I had it. They come crashing down. These things of the world are limited at best. Temporary, And if you put your hope in them, there's a big disappointment that's coming sooner or later, usually sooner. But the Lord, but the Lord. You see, there's, there's the contrast and the condition. Jesus fulfilled it. He rose. He's risen, folks. So you and I can enjoy the benefits of that salvation. We can lay claim to the privileges that belong to sons and daughters of the living God. Amen. Just do our part to release it and receive it and activate it. See, the peace is your privilege. It's your benefit. It's your right. Jesus freely grants it to all his people. And lastly, the confrontation of Christ's peace. Look at verses 30 and 31. We'll just wind this down. This is just an added thing, but it's in our text, so we want to touch on it. Jesus says, I will speak with you. I will not speak with you much longer. For the prince of this world is coming, but he's got no hold on me. Amen. Isn't that a good way to live? Isn't that a good way to live? Amen. He's got no hold on me. Living live away where the devil don't have an open door. That's good. 
Next verse. But the world, talk about the devil. Now, the world must learn that I love the Father and I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Jesus had his peace challenged. So it makes sense that so will we. Amen? And in these two verses, he mentions our, our, our two of our greatest enemies as we're walking this walk, the, the, the world and the devil. And those two forces tried to disrupt Christ, tried to steal his peace. And when you lose the peace of God, typically you stop obeying God. No, Jesus said, I, I got the peace, but I'm going to keep obeying. The world's going to see I love the Father. I'm going to obey Him. And it means going to the cross. It means hearing and crying out, my God, my God, why is thou forsaking me? But it's that peace of God that helped them to endure those times. But understand, His peace was challenged. And the enemy will challenge our peace. He doesn't want, he, he likes when, when the people of God are uptight and they're like the, the emotional roller coaster instead of being stable and strong in the Word. He tempts us with desperation or anger, attacks us with confusions and restlessness, etc. If Jesus faced these things, so will we. But it's that peace that Jesus had that helped them continue and helps us continue. So guard your peace. Guard your peace, folks. Guard your peace. It's available, it's adequate. Though the enemy will try to steal it, provoke, deceive. You and I need to keep remembering what we have. Receiving what God wants to give us. And responding to the word and walking out in its fullness. Respond to what you have. And respond to what you know. This morning we just simply use this text to remind the Christian of what he or she possesses. And the privilege he or she has. In Jesus Christ. That we would take advantage of this wonderful gift. Use it. We live in a world where it's needed. Can you say amen? We're going to close as we close and open the altar. If you're here today and you have, don't know peace with God, don't leave before you do. If you haven't received Jesus and there's still a hostility and there's still a conflict between you and the Almighty God, listen, you can't solve it on your own. Jesus went to the cross so you could be reconciled to God Almighty. He went to the cross so your sins could be forgiven and you could know God as your Heavenly Father and walk with Him as a son and a daughter. So if, you, if you've not received Christ before you leave, come to the altar. Someone will be here to pray with you and receive Christ. But for the rest of us that love the Lord, can we just thank God for the peace that He's given us? Because, you know, I, as a pastor, we walk with sheep, and I know so many. We've gone through heartaches. We've gone through challenges. But God's kept us, hasn't He? Amen. Others might have fallen away, but God's given us an inner grace that through the tears we praised Him. When you didn't think you could get up, something inside you was moving you to stand up and walk on and believe God. And I want to thank God this morning personally for the peace of God that's kept me through times when, boy, you just wanted to say, forget it all. But there was something in that kept me focused on the future and pressing on in the process. Amen? So um, if you need prayer, obviously the altars are always open. If you have sickness, if you need God to touch you, if you just need a fresh touch of the Spirit. But if you would, stand with me, please, and we're going to pray, and then we're just going to worship and thank the Lord for that peace. Oh, folks. So remember, this belongs to you. It came with the price of salvation. You don't got to work out this. When the time comes and you're going through a trial that's a special intensity, you remember the promise of Jesus. And by faith, you lay claim to it. 
and let it fill your heart and keep you walking. Amen? Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great salvation we have in Jesus. And we thank you for his peace that grants us an inner calm, a quiet confidence, a steady faith as we face the storms of life. Father, I pray this morning, if anyone's going through a trying of their faith, maybe they got a bad report this week. Maybe something happened that they didn't expect. But Lord, I pray that you would help your people to tap in to this spiritual privilege. I pray that they were reminded of your will for them is to receive that peace that passes understanding that will give them an inner grace and a strength to continue on, to believe on, to press on, to trust on as you work all things for the good, as you continue to guide them and keep them in your power. Father God, as your people look to you, let their hearts receive a quickening, a refreshing, a steadying impartation of your peace. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, these altars are open. If you need prayer, don't wait. Come and get prayer. Let's worship the Lord.